We need to come to grips with the fact that we've not been given a spirit of fear. We should not be afraid. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said that twice. And so that tells me that whether my heart has fear or not is my choice. Because he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's much negative news all around us. Now, I didn't watch the political conventions, but I know that in them, one party was trying to tell you how bad the other one was, because that's just what they do. And the other one was telling you how bad this one was. And they tell you how bad they are in order to make you afraid to vote a certain way. The goal is to make you fear. We, we, can, we can hear on the TV and the Internet, the newspaper. I mean, we can find that, that they're, they're, they're trying to get us to fear things, trying to get us afraid. The Bible instructs us over and over again to fear not. Fear not. A great message on overcoming fear was preached here a couple of Wednesdays ago when Abby ministered on a Wednesday night. And you ought to either go online to... Uh, lifechurchlubbock.com and listen to that one or you ought to order the CD because she did a great job of addressing the subject of fear. It's, it's, it's a great one. The only antidote to fear is faith. Faith is what's, what it's going to take. In this time, if we're going to live our lives without fear, we've got to be in faith. You cannot live by fear and faith at the same time. You'll either be in fear or you can be in faith, but you can't be in both. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, we quote this almost every week, it says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now notice it doesn't say this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our worrying about it. Even our being afraid of the outcome. The victory that overcomes the system of the world is faith. What is faith? Gary, I told you, it's believing. It's being sold out on the Word of God. The world's system is motivated by selfishness and activated by fear. The system of the kingdom of God is motivated by love and activated by faith. We know that faith, we, we found out faith brings us the victory that overcomes the world. We know from the scripture that faith comes by hearing the word and we also know this then if faith comes by hearing the word then fear runs by hearing the word so if we can get the word into us so the faith will come it'll run the fear out of our lives we've got to take the time to get God's word to run the fear most Christians are totally confused about who they are and because they don't know who they are in Jesus they are terrified by what's going on around them most Christians are believing that they should be being punished for something. I mean, I know Christians that are worried when things are going well because they think they shouldn't get all this good stuff. And so they don't know who they are in Christ, and so fear is all around them. Most Christians think that they're still sinners. And they believe that it's impossible to escape the clutches of sin. And yet the Bible clearly tells us that we are no longer sinners, but that we, because of Jesus' blood, because of what He's done, we are now the righteousness of God. In fact, the verse that tells us that is in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For He hath made Him to be sin 
who, for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The Bible here says that we, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Now, here's where some of, well, yeah, Pastor, it says we might be made. The Greek word here, the Greek word here that, for that phrase, might be made, is the Greek word uh, genomai. Genomai, we get the English word generate. So that's what this is saying is that we might be generated generated into the righteousness of God in Christ. It means to become, that we might become. It's not maybe, it's a sure thing. When Jesus, as sure as Jesus, became sin, was made sin, you were made righteous. So if you were made righteous, you can't be a sinner anymore, can you? I don't know about you, but I like that. See, because sinners, what do sinners do best? Well, they sin. And if you think you're a sinner, then you're going to sin. But if you understand you are the righteousness of God, that will empower you to live righteously because it already is inside of you. The church is so sin conscious, they've missed out on the righteousness part of this thing. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says, even the righteousness of God, now look at this, how do you get it? Which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto some Baptists. No, no. Unto all and upon all them that believe. The righteousness of God is by faith. When we believe what Jesus did, it is unto all. The Greek word for all is pas, and it means every single one. This is to everybody. It says it's unto all. Go to the next verse, Ryan. It's unto all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not, this isn't talking about you being a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner. This is talking about the escape hatch. This is talking about the loophole. This is talking about everybody has sinned, but everybody is made righteous the exact same way. See, we're not, we're not, we're going to live in fear if we think we're sinners and deserve the devil to beat us up. But we're not his slaves. We are now the righteousness of God. Go to the next verse. Verse 24 says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Man, that is the best news I've heard in a long time. You see, Jesus, he's the one who paid for it, and through faith in His shed blood, I am now the righteousness of God. Look at somebody and say, I am the righteousness of God. Now, if you've got religion in you, you tripped over those words a little bit. Because religious people think, well, we can't be that because we're still sinners. No, 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 no. We have been made righteous by His blood. It's, all, it's a past tense thing. It's already been done. Look at this verse of Scripture. Romans 5, 17. I'm not even to my main text yet, but this is good, huh? For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Now, there is where most of the church lives, death reigning. Much of the church lives in the fact that death reigns. But look what this goes on to say. It says, much more they which receive the abundance 
of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Death no longer reigns because righteousness is now mine. Death comes by sin. Life comes through grace. Righteousness is in my life. Death doesn't reign. Righteousness is alive in me. See, I'm not a, I'm not a slave to the death. I'm not a slave to the sin anymore. I didn't make it happen. I've become righteous because of God, because of the blood, because His grace set me free. Amen? And that, more than that, though, more than that. If death no longer reigns, and if I now reign in life by one Jesus Christ, that means there's more to this than just getting forgiven of my sins. There is the moving forward into destiny that God has called me to because I'm the righteousness of God. I don't have to worry whether or not God will say, well, you're not worthy. To the righteous man or woman of God, we, we, don't, we don't consider our worth. We consider the blood of His Son. And we consider, his, if He called me to it, the Bible says His gifts and calling are without repentance, and He's not going to change His mind. The blood paves the way, and I can do what He called me to do. I can live a life free of the sin, free of the habit, free of the hate. I can live the right life for Him because of the power of His righteousness that's working in me. Ooh, I like that. Verse, Romans 5.21, the Bible says that as sin reigned unto death, even so, I like this, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus. Sin doesn't reign. Grace reigns. Sin is not in charge. Grace is now in charge. And because of the grace, I'm in charge in my life. Because I can receive it and walk in what God has for me. See, because I've been made the righteousness of God, His grace, His favor now reigns in my life through Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's just exciting to me. I don't have to be afraid. You know what? Grace reigns in my life. Yes, I'm going to be, I'm going to be outspoken about what I think is right in the election and all that stuff, but my trust is not in either one of those candidates or parties. It's the grace that reigns. The grace. We have to live in the faith that Jesus told us to live in. The Amplified Bible reads that verse this way. So that just as sin has reigned in death, so grace, His unearned and undeserved favor, might reign also through righteousness, right standing with God which issues an eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, our Lord. Because I've been made righteous, grace reigns. Because His blood made me right with God, grace now, grace reigns in my life. It's telling me that just like sin had certain consequences, so does righteousness. And my consequences ought to be that. We are now the righteousness of God. We now have the consequences of righteousness. That verse said the consequence of righteousness is this. Favor. Grace. That's the outcome. 
of the righteousness that I've received from Jesus. I live in his favor. I live in his, in his grace. It's not of my doing. It's the doing of the Lord because we receive it by faith. We no longer have to sit with the rest of the world and listen to the world's junk that tells us we're still dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. I realize they teach that in church, but that's the world's philosophy, that you can't get rid of your sin. Kind of like, kind of like when I was, I guess I was in the first grade maybe. I was in the first grade and the teacher was talking and this one little boy, we are at the little tables, you know, and this little boy wasn't listening to her. He was doing his own thing and finally she stopped. She said, hey, hey, since you don't want to listen, you could go over here and sit at this table by yourself. So he got up and went and sat at the table by himself and we, she got back into what she was teaching. This little girl was in the room. She raised her hand. She said, excuse me, excuse me. She said, yes. She goes, I don't want to listen either. Can I go sit with him? <laughs> we might want to just raise our hand when the world is talking about all their junk and say, excuse me, I don't want to listen either. I want to go sit with them because they're the righteousness of God in Christ. I want to go sit with them because grace is reigning in their life. I want to be with them. See, we need to get past what the world is trying to cram down our throats and recognize who we are. Recognize what we are. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. The Gospel of Luke chapter 4. We're going to look down in verse 17 of, of the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. And you've, I'm sure you've heard these verses before. Luke 4 verse 17. Here's what the Bible says. It says, and there was delivered to him, to Jesus, the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he's reading out of Isaiah 61. When he opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord now Jesus came he said he came he was anointed to preach the gospel he was anointed to preach the gospel now that's that, that's that's we all think we know what that means but most Christians aren't really clear as to what the gospel really is so just like we don't know what grace really is Many Christians don't know what the gospel really is. The word gospel in the Greek is, is the Greek word euangelizo, which means to announce good news. We get the word evangelize from this. It means to announce good news. It means to declare the good tidings. So Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to announce good news, to declare good news. Now, so he's saying, this is the gospel. The gospel is to declare the good news. And then he declares the good news. Right? What is that good news? What is the good news? Well, we just preached the gospel at our church. Really, what is it? Well, what do you mean? It's just the gospel. See, here's what we're, we're taught. Well, the gospel is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because they're called the gospels. The gospel of Matthew. But, but what, is, what is the gospel of Matthew? What is the gospel of Mark and Luke and John? 
what is the gospel? Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. So, if he's preaching the good news to the poor, what would be good news to a poor person? You don't have to be poor. The good, if, he, if I'm preaching the good news to a poor person, if I say, here's the good news, poor person, Jesus died for your sins. That's not good news to them. They, it is, but they don't know it. He said, he said, I'm coming, I'm preaching good news to the poor. And the good news is you don't have to be poor. I'm preaching good news to the brokenhearted. What would be the good news to the brokenhearted? That there's healing available for your broken heart. I'm preaching good news to the captive. What would be good news to the captive? That you can be delivered. That there's deliverance available to you. What's the good news to the blind? I tell you, the best news for the blind person is you can see again. He said, I'm preaching the good news to the bruised. That, that means those who are shattered in every area of their life. He said, I'm preaching good news that there is liberty from you and you don't have to be held bound by all that stuff anymore. And then he summed up the good news. In verse 19, when he said he came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the Amplified Bible says, to proclaim the accepted an acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Now that is good news. He said, I've come to preach the gospel. Now we've been talking about grace for several weeks. We found that Christians don't know what grace is, or most of them don't understand it. They think that grace is limited to the new birth and the forgiveness of sins. But we found out that grace is favor. And favor is grace. We found out the Greek word is charis, which means graciousness, kindness, sweetness. It has to do with not earning something that was given to you as a favor. Favor. Grace is favor. Favor is grace. Charis is the word. All right? We found out that there are layers of grace. Jesus said, out of my abundance, you can have grace upon grace. Favor upon favor. So grace is more than just getting my sins forgiven. Grace is receiving grace upon grace upon grace, another layer of grace because the Bible says there's more grace. The Bible says to grow in grace. And so if I got all my grace when I got my sins forgiven when I got born again, I can't get more grace. So we're talking about more grace. We've seen that grace is an empowerment. It's an empowerment from God. We found out that it empowers us to achieve and obtain the promises. It's an empowerment of protection. It's an empowerment of God's goodness in our lives. We've seen that grace comes from faith. Therefore, it's the victory that overcomes the world. Because as we believe, God, the grace comes that brings the victory that overcomes the world. We've seen all that. But today we're going to discover a few more things. There's a misunderstanding of grace. There's a misunderstanding of the gospel because people don't recognize what the gospel is. This is going to be fun as we go. I may shake some religious trees so hard that old dried up fruit will fall off of it. There's a misunderstanding of what it means to be blessed. Christians don't understand the grace and the gospel and the blessing of the Lord. And those things are so closely related. Don't understand them. Most people think when they talk about the blessing, they think the blessing, that the blessing of the Lord is what you say when somebody sneezes. 
That's you. Bless you. What does that really mean to them? They're saying, don't sneeze on me because I don't want to get it. Or, or this one. Oh, bless his little heart. That means he ain't got any sense. Oh, bless his heart. They don't understand what the blessing is. Some that are a little more spiritual. You know, how you doing today? Oh, blessed. Blessed. Really, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean you're blessed? What does that even mean to you? See, here's what we think. We think the blessing of the Lord, oh, you got a new car? Oh, you are so blessed. Really? Is a new car the blessing of the Lord? Oh, you got a raise at work? Oh, that's just the blessing of the Lord. Is that the blessing? Would a, would a raise be the blessing of the Lord? It might come from the blessing of the Lord, but the raise is not the blessing. A new car is not the blessing. See, some of you are already scratching your heads. To get a promotion, to get a new house, none of those things are the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord is not an external thing. And I can show you that from this passage of Scripture. You know this one probably, Proverbs 10, 22. The Bible says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord, it, the blessing, maketh rich. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Notice something. The blessing of the Lord is not being rich. Here's what people have thought. If I could be rich, I would be blessed. But the verse didn't say, the blessing of the Lord is riches. The blessing of the Lord is having a lot of money. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. In other words, the riches proceed from the blessing. And if the blessing is big enough to contain the riches then the blessing is bigger and greater than the riches. Because the blessing can't make you rich if, if it is smaller than the riches. Now this is good, I think. Because we've put the cart before the horse for too long. We have said things like, if my kids would just behave, I would be so blessed. If my husband would just straighten up, I'd be blessed. If, if we can just get through Christmas and not go broke, we'll be blessed. You got it backwards. If you're going to get through Christmas and not go broke, you better be blessed first. If you want your kids to straighten up, you better be blessed so they can get straightened up. Because it all comes from the blessing through you. Hallelujah. So we, 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 we've messed up. We, we're thinking the blessing is, is something that, 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 that is out there somewhere. The blessing is bigger than that. So since the blessing of the Lord makes rich, now get this, if the blessing of the Lord makes you rich, that means the blessing of the Lord has power, right? Because it can make something happen. So just like grace, we can say this, the blessing of the Lord is an empowerment. It's the empowerment that can bring riches. It's the empowerment 
that can do what you can't do in your own. It's an empowerment. It is an empowerment. Like grace, the blessing is an empowerment. The blessing of the Lord is an empowerment to prosper or to succeed to the highest degree. That's what the blessing of the Lord is. It's an empowerment. The word blessing, literally from the Hebrew in this verse of Scripture, means benediction or prosperity. Prosperity, we, that's, that's, a, that's a word people don't like in church, but prosperity does, is not always about money. The word prosperity means to excel to the highest place in something desired. So there's a prosperity in marriage. There's a prosperity in finances. There's a prosperity in your relationship with God, but it's to excel to the highest degree in something desired. Okay, so I want prosperity spiritually. I want it in my soul. I want it in my body. I want to excel to the highest degree. The blessing then brings prosperity, but it means benediction. It has to do with speaking. It has to do with saying something. The blessing of the Lord is the saying of the Lord over your life, be blessed. 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 How did God open His relationship with mankind? He said, it's the Bible says, He blessed them, saying, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Everything in the world is subject to you. Every flying thing, every swimming thing, every creeping thing, it is all subject to you because I now pronounce blessing upon you. So the blessing then is the word from God over you and the word, we know this, the word of God is powerful because that very same word said light be and light became. And so God said blessed be and blessed you became. You're empowered. And I'll show you some more here in just a minute when we start talking about the gospel if we get that far. I hope, I hope you're enjoying this so far because I'm really liking it. God's word says you're blessed. So are you or aren't you? Yeah, but I don't have a new car. Excuse me. I didn't ask you if you had a car. God's word says you're blessed. Are you or aren't you? Well, we don't have enough money to pay our bills. Excuse me. We didn't ask about money. The truth is, if you understand what the blessing of the Lord is, and you begin to activate the blessing of the Lord, this empowerment that God has already spoken over you, He's already said you're blessed. If he said you're blessed, whether your bills are paid or not, you're blessed. And if you get hold of the fact you're already blessed, your bills eventually will be paid. Praise the Lord. Well, I, I just, I'm working for a living. No, you, no, 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 you're blessed. And we work because God told us we work. We're supposed, to have, we're supposed to be on assignment, doing what he told us to do, doing the very best we can do it. But it is his blessing that brings us the income, the living that we have. It's being blessed. It's, it's learning how to live in this benediction of the Lord. Grace empowers us to achieve or obtain the promises, and it shields us. The blessing empowers us to prosper to the highest degree in whatever God's called us to. Oh, man, I really like this. All right, let's look at this. All right, we're going to talk about three subjects. Remember, we're talking about the gospel, grace, and blessing. Gospel, grace, and blessing. Look in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. 
And I know it sounds like I'm bouncing around, but I'm really going to tie all three of these together. I just don't know if I'm going to make it today. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Actually, you can just look up here. Now, the Apostle Paul, they've been telling him if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound. He's going to be beaten. And he says to them, he says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify, now look at this, the gospel of the grace of God. Now here the Apostle Paul says that his testimony is the good news of the empowerment of God, the good news of the grace, the gospel of the grace of God. So the gospel is a gospel of grace. The Amplified says, But none of these things move me, neither do I esteem my life dear to myself, if only I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've obtained from, which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus, faithfully to attest to the good news gospel of His grace, His unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, and mercy. Paul called the gospel the gospel of grace or the good news of favor. It's the good news that God will favor you. In Romans, we're not going to turn to this one, but Romans 16.25, Paul said that the gospel, the gospel that he preached was the preaching of Jesus. He said, I'm preaching this gospel that Jesus preached. So Paul said that the gospel he preached is the gospel of grace, therefore the gospel Jesus preached must have been the gospel of grace. Amen? So he said, he, he, he said that. It's the gospel of grace. Well, what, what, what kind of gospel did Jesus preach? We talked about it a few minutes ago out of Luke, right? That the gospel is good news to the brokenhearted, good news to the captive, good news to the poor, the blind, to those who are bruised. Look what the gospel is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 14. It says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, the gospel can only be received by believing it. One translator translated this verse this way. He says, he, he said after he came, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, The time is ripe, and an epical event has occurred. It says an epical event has occurred to the, to the degree that the time is ripe for an invasion from heaven that will come to all who will repent and believe. See, there's this invasion that God wants to bring from heaven that is a matter of His grace. Heaven is at hand because of the grace of God. Jesus is saying, grace is available to you. Heaven has come down. In fact, it is so close to you that you can reach out and take it with your hand. He said, you don't have to beg for it. You don't have to plead for it because you didn't do anything to get it. All you have to do is receive it because it's at hand. He said, he said, that's the gospel of grace. He said, that's what I'm telling you. It's at hand. We know that Jesus' resurrection and our faith in his finished work brings us out of the law of Moses into his grace, right? And we've talked about that over the past few weeks. Jesus is saying, I've got good news for you. Now, we're no longer going to focus on the law. The Jewish people he's preaching to have been under the law of Moses for centuries. And when they hear about the law of Moses, the first thing they understood was you can't keep it. I mean, there were, 
ten simple commandments. And then there were some others that God threw in there for them, but the ten basic ones. And they knew, they knew that you can't keep the ten. Right? Some of you might think, well, I can keep the ten. Really? Have you ever told a lie? Yeah, but not today. But you did, right? So you don't keep them. Because once you lied, you became guilty of all ten, the Bible says. Okay, well, I've never lied. You're lying now. I mean, have you ever stolen anything? No, no. Did you ever take a pencil without asking for it? Well, yeah, that's not stealing. Yes, it is. So we need to recognize that the, 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 the law is impossible to keep. Jesus came preaching good news. Jesus came saying this. He came, he came presenting himself, presenting his blood, and now we're no longer under the law. Under the law, men could not approach the presence of God because their sin created a veil that was between them and a holy God because a holy God couldn't look upon them in their sinful condition. In the new covenant, because of the good news that Jesus came to produce and proclaim, we now have access into the presence of God because the grace of God, the righteousness of God, has torn the, the veil in half from top to bottom and we can stand boldly in His very presence. Why? Because that's the gospel. That we can come into the presence of God. We didn't earn it. We didn't make it happen. Not one of us was tall enough or strong enough to get up there and tear that curtain in half. That curtain that was torn in half, the Bible says, is a picture of the body of Jesus that was ripped in half for you and for me to come into the presence of God. The one in the Jewish temple was tall. I can't remember how tall, like 12 feet tall. And it was four inches thick. And I mean, they said horses, teams of horses couldn't pull the thing apart. But when Jesus came out of the grave, the Bible says it was torn in half from the top to the bottom because God's power now opened the way for you and I to have full access into God's presence and not be consumed. Why? Because there is no sin on us. Because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And for you to go into His presence and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm a sinner. You can't do it. Because if you're a sinner, you can't get there. Because sinners can't get there. Only the righteous can stand before Him. So that means every time I pray and I come into His presence, I am declaring that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus preached the good news. The law employed the veil. But grace ripped the veil in two so that we can stand before God. Jesus said, in John, or it says in John 1.17 of Jesus, it says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. <laughs> Tammy quoted this, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Woo, the gospel is about the grace of God. Now, I'm going to get to one more point here before we go today. I've got to get here. Look at this. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 26. So we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the grace and the blessing. The gospel, the grace, and the blessing. Jesus came preaching the gospel of grace. But look what this says. It says, now this is Peter's preaching here. He says, unto you first, God having raised up, we're in Acts 3, 26. God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to what? Sent him to bless you. 
in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. God sent Jesus to bless you. God, oh man, God sent Jesus to bless you. Most Christians I know have enough Jesus to bug them and not enough to bless them. But God sent Jesus to bless you. The Bible says, Jesus said, let's go to the other towns so I can preach there because that's why I came. Why is he preaching? He's preaching the gospel. The Bible says, the Bible says of Jesus, it says that he was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's a blessing. That's a part of the blessing. The Bible teaches us that Jesus came to bless us. He came to seek and to save the lost because he came to bless us. Jesus was sent to bless you. Do you think he could accomplish what he came to do? Yeah, if you understand what the blessing is. If you understand the blessing is not the car. The blessing is already there. He came to bless you. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about grace. We're talking about a blessing. Jesus came to bless you. The word bless in that verse of scripture is, is this from the Greek. It means to speak well of. It means to bless, to invoke a benediction upon, or to prosper. Very similar to the Hebrew word. In other words, Jesus came to speak His word of blessing upon you, and His word is the final word. If He said, Randy, blessed, then guess what? Randy, blessed. And you can insert your name in that sentence. He said it. The Bible says Jesus came to bless you. Jesus spoke words of empowerment in my life to take me to prosperity, which is to excel to the highest degree in anything I desire that comes from God. Isn't this good news today? That's gospel, right? We are blessed because Jesus came to bless us. It Listen, when the word is believed, we know this, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 that it works effectually in those that believe it. And so Jesus came. He's preaching the gospel of grace. He's, he's preaching the gospel of goodness. He's preaching grace. And he's preaching blessing. Look in Matthew chapter 5. Look what this says. Now Jesus is starting to preach here. Now we, we have snippets of other sermons that Jesus preached. You know, when he talked about that, 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 the kingdom, that, that, that uh, he's come to preach the good news of the kingdom that's at hand, and we read that in Luke chapter 4. But now, Luke chapter 5 is the beginning of a whole sermon we get from Jesus. In fact, this is the earliest whole sermon we have preached by Jesus. Look what it says. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, And seeing the multitude, he, Jesus, went up to a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth. Now look at this. He opened his mouth and he taught them saying, Blessed. What was the first thing Jesus said in his sermon? Blessed. Jesus came. He's preaching a sermon. He says, Blessed. Now this says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We know that that's a terrible translation of the verse. It should have been translated more like this. Blessed are those who make God their source, their one and only source, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus came preaching, saying, Blessed. It goes on. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you and falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now notice something about this sermon that Jesus starts to preach. He begins his sermon by saying, blessed, blessed. He's preaching the gospel of grace and this gospel of grace declares blessed. This gospel of good news is saying you are blessed. Listen, these people have not only been under the law, they've been living under the curse of the law for generations. They can't get free of their sin. They sacrifice the little animal every year. But all they've known, all their lives, is, is that God is going to dole out punishment if that little animal isn't received in the Holy of Holies. All they know is the curse of the law. All they know is they can't keep the the, the law. All they know, they know nothing of the righteousness that comes by faith, nothing of the blessing. Now Jesus comes along, he's beginning his ministry, and what what does he start off by saying? He starts saying, blessed. Y'all are blessed. Woo! What? Blessed? Jesus, do you... Do you know who you're talking to? My family, we've been cursed for generations. Jesus said, no. Blessed. Blessed. This is the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. Jesus is preaching blessed. Blessed. Nine times he tells the people they're blessed. He's not talking about the curse of the law. He's not talking about how bad they are. He's not telling them what the preachers have been telling them at church. He's telling them they're blessed. And he's telling them they can come to their rightful place in the blessing of Abraham, in the blessing of God. No wonder crowds surrounded him wherever he went. He's talking about them being blessed. He's saying, you know what, you're blessed. He said, how can you be blessed? How can you be blessed in some of these situations? Because the blessing is in you. The persecution isn't the blessing. Don't you dare tell me that when they persecute you, it's a blessing. Oh, it's just a blessing in disguise. No, the blessing is in me. And when the persecution comes, it cannot stop the blessing. That's what he's saying. He's saying saying it doesn't matter what is going on around you. You are the blessed. And when you are the blessed, it's in you. Jesus preached that you're blessed. The gospel is this. You are blessed and you don't have to work for it because you cannot earn it. It came straight from Jesus. The gospel. Man, Jesus began preaching the gospel by preaching the blessing. How did he end it? Look at this. This is interesting. Luke chapter 24. Now, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He started off preaching blessing. Luke chapter 24, verse 50. He's just spoken his last words, and it says he led them out as far as to Bethany. (laughs) This is how he ends it. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. (laughs) Look at that. 
He's ending it the same way he started it. He said it, he blessed them, and it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them, carried up into heaven. I mean, just like he started preaching in the beginning, he just finished saying you're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You're going to get all these good things. You'll be my witnesses. You'll preach the gospel that I've been preaching everywhere in the world. And so he lifts up his hands and he says, Blessed. He pronounces blessing on them. The Bible doesn't say, and they all got new Mercedes Benzes. Because that's not the blessing. The Bible didn't say, oh, and they all had their bills paid and were happily married from henceforth forevermore. No, it says blessed. He lifted us up his hands. What he had been saying to them for three and a half years, he continues to say, blessed. Ladies and gentlemen, you are blessed. That is the gospel. But pastor, I thought the gospel was the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. As part of the blessing, part of the gospel. You have time for one more verse, one more passage? Look at this. Uh, look in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. The blessing is not the stuff. The blessing is, is, is upon all who will believe. It's in us as we believe the word. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8. Look what this says. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Look at this. Preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, so they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now Jesus said one time, Before Abraham was, I am. But before Jesus came to preach the gospel in the flesh, the Bible says God himself preached the gospel to Abraham. What was the gospel to Abraham? Blessed. The gospel has always been blessed. God preached the gospel to Abraham. He said you're blessed and everybody who connects with you by faith Faith will be your children, and they also are blessed. God says, I am empowering you right now, right now, to come to the highest place in your life. I'm empowering you now to come to this place I've called you to. I'm empowering you now to step into my presence. I'm empowering you now to fulfill my call. I'm declaring over you, blessed, Abraham. The Bible says later in that same chapter that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law and that we now have the blessing of Abraham. That was the gospel preached to Abraham. The good news is today that Jesus died, was buried, raised on the third day. He is seated at the right hand of God and that you are not only redeemed from your sin because they've already been canceled. We already went over that. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But more so than that, we are the blessed of our Father. Because the gospel is the good news that God preaches to us regarding this blessing. The gospel is the message of God's grace that brings God's blessing to reside on the inside of each one of us. Ooh, man, I, I could preach this a long time. The good news 
is that there's an empowerment to achieve and obtain the promise of God and to have the shield of God on my life surrounding me and empowered to succeed in all that God called me to do. See, healing is a part of his blessing. We find out that financial prosperity is a part of his blessing. Deliverance is a part of his blessing. The new birth is a part of his blessing. Heaven when we die is just a part of the blessing that God has on our lives. It's all one wonderful package. Praise God. God's good message of grace ushers in his blessing. Proverbs 10.22. We saw it says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. But Gary read the passage out of, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, that says, We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Wait a minute, I thought the blessing made us rich. But Paul said it was the grace that makes us rich. Because you can't separate the two. You are righteous because of grace. You are blessed because it's in the grace package. You are blessed. I want you to leave here this morning understanding that you are blessed. You're not going to be blessed when your ship comes in. Because you probably hadn't sent one out anyway. You're blessed now. Right now. Right now. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You take a minute, just thank him for it. Just thank him that you are the blessed. Come on, just come on, out loud. Just say, thank you, I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord, I am the blessed. Thank you, Lord, I am the righteous. Thank you, Lord, I am the redeemed of the Lamb. Thank you, God, thank you, God, I am the blessed now. Now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name.